0: Moncrief on News Talk,
1: brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.
0: You're very welcome back. Tom, I'm with you standing in for Sean today on The Moncrief Show. And it is that time of the week when psych- psychotherapist Joanna Fortune joins us now for parenting. Joanna, lovely to see you. And lovely
1: to see you too. In studio. Here we are live and in person. I,
0: I literally I can't get my head around it. it just, it's just this fantastic. is such a unique experience. It's I
1: think it's fantastic.
0: And I have pages and pages and pages of questions for you. I know. Because I know. Uh, one thing about this is people are getting to spend a lot of time with their children and their children yeah. are living through very strange times, aren't they? Strange and really
1: challenging, and I think we've seen that over the weeks in the pandemic and you know we're still in a place of uncertainty. I wish we were saying now that we know what we're doing, but it's still that suspended state of uncertainty and we know that children thrive on predictability and assurance and the very thing we can't afford them. So it's totally relatable that we're seeing a spike in these types of behaviours that are coming up today.
0: So zero routine with all exactly. of that as well. And as I as will keep saying, um, if you do have children, uh, this is the place to send your question 53106 is the text number and we'd be delighted to hear from you. Or afternoon at Newstalk.com is the email address too. Now, number one, my 12 year old has lost confidence and developed OCD tendencies. My daughter turned 12 in April and has lost a lot of self confidence in most things that she does and keeps saying she's bad at stuff, even in her, in her sport where she was always confident and one of the best players there. Her body has developed quite a bit over the past year, so maybe that has something to do with it. I just don't know. She has always got a little, or she also has a little bit of OCD going on now as well. This has only been in the past year or so. She takes ages in the bathroom, brushing her teeth and is always washing her hands. Before bed, she always makes sure she's touching anything else. Shampoo, conditioner bottles, deodorant, has to be facing a certain way. I've asked her why she does this and she says that she doesn't really know. Is this just a phase or is there anything we can do to help her? Or, or should we just ignore it?
1: Well, don't ignore it and you're not ignoring it because it's clearly something that's niggling away at you to the point that you've written in here about it and I actually think this is something I imagine based on other contact I receive from parents a lot of people will be turning up the radio and going gosh this really rings home because we are seeing a spike in anxiety based behaviours particularly around this age group so in thinking about this one Tom I want to kind of say look as we said coming into this our children have had a really tough tough time. And we're not talking for a few months, we're talking 18 months now. It's been really difficult, really challenging and that's not over. But I also don't want to rush to kind of categorise everything that emerges with children as, oh well that's because of the Mm. pandemic. It may not be helped by the pandemic, it may coexist with the pandemic, but it may be something aside from that. So I just want to put a couple of thoughts out there. First of all, you know language matters with all of this and when we think about OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, before we kind of rush to put a label on something and and you know I do understand this that you're looking at patterns of behaviour that seem congruent with this kind of language but let's not put that label on her at least not just yet because OCD type symptoms can be mistaken for now equally they can coexist with so I'm not saying it's definitely not but they can be mistaken for what can look like rigid routines uh, repetitive behaviour or repetitive ritualistic type of patterns and Also, anxiety can be underpinning it. And when something internally feels out of control, it can be that I go to a place of, well, I can control how all the bottles look and I can control Mm. how many times I brush my teeth and how long I brush them for. And I can control some of these things to compensate for what I cannot control, which is this internal chaos and disruption that I'm experiencing. And when she says to her parent here, you know, why are you doing this? And she says, I don't know. Believe her. She's not withholding. She's not, you know, deciding, "I, I do know, but I'm just not going to tell you. She's being honest. I don't know why I'm doing this. So empathize with that and how overwhelming and even scary it must be to be doing something that you recognize as, why am I doing this? I don't know why I'm doing it. And meeting her at that level could offer you that moment of meeting and connection that she feels felt, that Gosh, what's it like not to yeah. know why you're doing that? I can meet you in this feeling and help you work your way through it. I do think, though, you know, there's a couple of things that jumped out here about confidence. Also look at her age and stage of development. And again, I don't say this to dismiss it, but maybe to just bring in another perspective. That in this stage of coming out of middle childhood, about to enter into early adolescence, you know, that mm-hmm. 12 it's coming into going 30. On. There is a huge yeah. amount going on. Confidence takes a knock anyway, in general. And I'm also really consumed with what I perceive others are thinking of me. Even if there's no evidence for that and the worst thing a parent can do is say, sure, nobody's thinking about you because that's even worse than everybody thinking about me. But I am consumed with that. I'm also taking my lead or seeking to take my lead in cues from my peer group over my parents and I've been denied access to my Mm -hmm. peer group for a prolonged period of time at what is a peak brain development phase. So there's an awful lot going in here that for me, I'm thinking, yeah, confidence taking a knock seems very real and very understandable as well. The pulling away from sports Again, she's at that peak age when we do unfortunately see girls tend to pull away from sports, which I do mean is unfortunate because as long as we can keep our kids active in sports and team sports, the better it is for them. Um, But her body has developed and changed in the last year. There's a whole lot going on here for this girl to get her head around, to see am I the same as my peer group? Is my body changing quicker or slower or differently? How do I fit in? So I think there's a lot of confusion here that might be underpinning This behaviour and these overt attempts at control are my overt behaviour that's underpinned by the emotional confusion. So look, when she's like this, try to get her into a different environment because it can reset an agitated, busy brain very quickly. The quickest, simplest way is to get her outside for a walk. You're literally changing your environment. Tell her to do the, the bird activity, which is that, you know, sometimes and I often I have a very busy brain, too, so I can own this, that if someone says, you know, clear your mind, think of I think of every random thought I've ever had just pops into my head. But the bird practice is that when you feel your mind wander, as soon as you hear a bird, stop and say to yourself, I hear a bird. And it brings you back into the now moment and it anchors you in that now moment. So when you're out and taking her for a walk and talking, stop and say, look, do you right. hear the birds? Do you hear this? Do you hear whatever it is? Depending on where you live, you might yeah. be like, I'm well, short of birds. But my own busy brain
0: is thinking, what if you're indoors during this? You know, what if am I going to do If you're indoors for
1: that, changing the field of vision would be ch- looking out a window. OK. Because you can literally just turn two feet on the ground, look out of a window and start naming the things you see. Hear, smell, could touch, could taste, things like that that you could tangibly engage your senses. Do that with her. Get her playful, get her imagining. Tell her if she was president of the world. You know, there's there's a job we've just created, president of the world. What five things would she implement right now with what's going on? What difference would it make? Why might that work? Why might it not work? Get her imagining and getting into critical thinking and problem solving thinking so that she's gaining mastery over thoughts and situations that might feel out of her control and really increase her sensory experiences, you know, playing a little bit of a massage game. And what I mean by that is. You know, with your index finger, trace a big circle on her back and say it's a pizza. Rub on lots of tomato sauce, sprinkle on cheese, chop on pepperoni, whatever toppings she likes, and then slice up the pizza. There's lots of deep proprioceptive touch involved in that activity. But it's playful in a way that massage can seem like an adult word. You know, let me do a pizza on your back is very relatable for kids. I would try to take her out of her busy brain. But if this escalates or doesn't resolve, then certainly consider bringing her to a mental health professional, a child and adolescent psychotherapist. How long would you
0: give it before you think about doing that?
1: I'd be giving it the summer, to be fair, to kids at the moment. Um, I think they've had to do a number of unpredictable transitions in recent months. So I would give it the summer as much outdoor physical play time just out of my head that you can possibly get. Get out, get walking through forests or parks or anything that you can get.
0: It's an incredible effect on them, isn't it?
1: It On all of us. And I think lead by example in terms of joining her in that as well.
0: Okay, very good. hundred um, six for your texts or emails to afternoon at newstalk.com. Um, our next one says, we have two girls. The eldest is almost three and the youngest is almost one. Our eldest is a smart, happy and fun child who loves interacting with other people. However, she's very aggressive with her little sister. She constantly hits her and pushes her over, often quite forcibly. And we've had some very close calls. It's out of character, but we can clearly see her being overcome by aggression leading to her acting on it. It's a habit for her now and despite our efforts to sensibly communicate uh, the message of care, protection and responsibility for the baby, it's not getting any better. Our worry is that as she gets bigger, that she could really hurt her sister. It is very stressful. We've told her, or we've been told it's a phase. She doesn't know what she's doing or it's teething. But I would like to explore how we can try and improve the situation in a more proactive way. We'd be very grateful for your Mm -hmm. uh, point. It's a phase. Mm.
1: I don't know about the phase thing. And I know when people say, you know, it's a phase and she doesn't know what she's doing. Doing, there's some truth in it and it's also there to try to reassure you that there's nothing wrong you know this will get better because the she doesn't know what she's doing for me is looking at her age and always when I talk about age you know Tom I'm thinking about developmental age over chronological because you know somebody listening could have a six year old who emotionally is very three years yep. old and this would apply cause and effect thinking you know that whole understanding that if I do A then B happens and if I do C do you know what D happens I should make a choice here based on understanding the cause and effect that isn't there at her age so when people say she doesn't know what she's doing they're really saying she doesn't understand the consequences of her action she's not hurting her sister with the intent of I'd like to cause her pain and see what that does to her. It's usually much more egocentric that I feel frustrated. I don't yet have a rich Mm. vocabulary or emotional fluency to express that frustration, but you know how I could do it very effectively. I could hit my sister and have her cry it out instead. And then you'll rush in and you'll be trying to correct me and doing it. I love this. You know, we're doing it, uh, our efforts to sensitively communicate. I I don't know what that means. I think that would mean something very different to all of us. I, I
0: imagine that it's not raising your voice.
1: or trying to with that that smile but with the teeth of don't hit your sibling don't do that (laughs) Um,
0: again but
1: actually at this age words are going to be so ineffective she has to do the communication and that means you have to do it with her so while you're sensitively communicating what not to do, be very sure that you're showing her what to do, how to play with her sibling, how to hold her siblings hand. And you're modeling that really nicely.
0: Right. If she has her fist clenched <laughs> <laughs> as she wants, well, yeah. how are you going to say now, don't treat your sister, you know, let's, let's take that fist and put it somewhere else.
1: I would definitely be putting, putting it goodies. somewhere else. I'd probably blow up a balloon and hold it away from my body and have that little closed fist punch the balloon. Right.
0: Um, she would probably enjoy that. Uh,
1: well, who wouldn't? Exactly. And, um, you know, balloon punch bag, great game. And then from that, because I always think when you have me releasing tension and aggression, how do you co-regulate me into a more upward um, in that window of tolerance of where things feel comfortable, you know, so I'm punching and punching and punching and everyone's like, that's great. Rachwana, how do I stop them punching (laughs) then? You could put a (laughs) bit of, you know, red light, green light in there. So punch when I say green light, freeze when I say red light. And when you feel that enough punches have been done, play with the same balloon. Keep up. Let's keep the balloon up in the air with our fist. Now keep it up with our hand. It doesn't matter. She's three. She's going to keep it up whatever way she can. But you're trying to structure it. It gives her a playful way. I also think that you could do a little bit of family play with nurture. Take some lotion and put it in your hand and just simply describe it as this is a blob of melted ice cream or whatever you want. And I'm going to just pass my melted ice cream onto your hand and you pass it from your hand to the little one's hand. Have her then with help from a grown up pass it to her sibling's hand. So you have a nice, gentle, sensory, tactile transfer of lotion hand to hand, the the little one is one, you're definitely going to have to help her, but you're modelling it as you do it and passing it around. So everybody's getting nice sensory touch, but you're giving and receiving from each other by then reversing. Now I'll pass it this way and you're reinforcing, be nice, be kind, be gentle with your sister. I think you're going to have to have the old eyes in the back of your head um, situation. She's very young. She really is. She is not the angry, aggressive child in your family. She is a child who is feeling angry at times. It is a part of her, not all of her. And use that language with her. This is your angry part. This is your aggressive part. I wonder where your happy, excited part is. What can we do to find that? There's a lovely book now that I'm saying that called um, How Are You Feeling or How Am I Feeling? I think it's How Am I Feeling by Molly Potter. And it has this lovely kind of index of you pick your feeling and based on your feeling, you go to that page number. And when you get there, there's six or eight things to do when you feel that way. So you go to angry, okay, go to page 12 for that and you see there's six things I can do when I feel angry and you know what, none of them are hitting your sibling. But it gives me things I can do over things I can't. At her age, do that with her. Model it with her so that she gets it.
0: Very good. That sounds like a book that adults could also um As turn always, to. you know, what yes. we
1: say about children really does apply to adults Absolutely. too. <laughs> I'll try and get my hands
0: on this later. Um, uh, my seven-year-old daughter shows off her privates. Um, I have a seven-year-old daughter who is a twin brother and an older brother. Recently, we had a younger female cousin come to stay. My daughter and her very uh, and her get on very closely and get on very well they were playing and didn't realize i could see them from where i was standing they were on the trampoline i find the trampoline can be the center of an awful lot of of Subterfuge in, yeah. in the life. It's where <laughs> yeah. kids hook up and tell each other their secrets and, Well it's and very
1: liberating and yeah. there's a lot of regulation and, and they seem it. to
0: think it's invisible or it, yeah. it brings invisible too. Adult yes. free zone. Fantastic. And I noticed they were pulling down their pants and showing each other their bums. I called them in and tried not to be cross, but more to understand why they felt the need to show each other their privates. They both knew exactly what I was saying and were embarrassed. I asked them if they had any questions, just come to me and I would answer them as best I could. I told them that there will be no more. sleepovers if this happened again and it is not how little girls should play together. Afterwards it really bothered me as I wasn't sure if I'd handled it okay or said the right thing this has happened before with another cousin and my daughter maintains that uh, it is never her idea. I don't think my daughter has an unhealthy curiosity about private parts but I want to be open and honest with her and also emphasize that pulling down your pants to show off your privates is not appropriate. We are not a closed door house and I have openly gotten dressed and undressed if there in the room maybe this is wrong
1: no that's not wrong in fact you know i would say that none of what you're saying here is wrong or unhealthy this is really about curiosity and boundaries and exploration but i what really struck me was the bit where this parent is saying you know i tried not to be cross and yet what follows is actually quite cross behaviours, you know, you wanted to understand they ended up embarrassed. You said there would yeah. be a consequence. There would be no sleepovers. So while your tone might have been as gentle as you could be, own the fact that you did feel cross mm. because it came across to them for sure. Otherwise they wouldn't have been embarrassed. They would have been delighted to tell you what they were up to. But something in them was also showing an awareness. We shouldn't be doing this. okay? so curiosity is a natural part of learning, growing, developing. It is literally how children grow and develop is by being curious. It's also really normal and healthy for children to be curious about bodies and body parts, their own and other people's. I'm thinking this little girl is growing up. She has a twin brother and an older brother. So lots of boy parts around her. And she may be curious about going, you know, who has parts like me and who has parts different to me? And do your parts look like mine, because especially maybe I've seen mm. my parents' parts and her, they they look different to mine, and I'm curious about that and interested, and I'm looking to discover and better understand myself within the world. So I really wouldn't pathologize this at all. I think this is she's only seven years okay. old, but she is now. I mean, certainly, you know, we, when we talk about early childhood, we are talking up to seven. Now that she is seven and going to be moving forward, of course, boundaries are what you're looking at. So. I'm going to suggest you get a book about bodies and, you know, there are endless examples of, of books about bodies. The usborn books tend to be very appropriate and very solid um, and sit with her and, you know, explore that book and exclaim about what's in there. Like, oh, isn't that amazing? Isn't that fascinating? Bodies are so interesting. Be interested in what interests her because it validates her interest and also teaches her she's interesting. So I would be exploring it by also saying to her, you know, there's a reason we call them private parts and that reason is because they're private. So I'm not shaming you or anything like that. You're not going to be doing anything that's like never show show anyone, never touch, never do this. But you're going to say, you know, When you want to look at your private parts or even touch your private parts, you do that in private. For example, you might do it in your bedroom and the door would be closed and you don't do it in front of people or with other people. You wash your hands before and afterwards. You know that you're actually talking to her about boundaries and that it's not something we ask people to show each other because it's their private parts too. And that wouldn't be. That wouldn't be appropriate. So, you're doing it in a gentle yet firm way. You're also telling her what is okay, but by showing her that you're interested as well in what, in- and that the body is interesting, you're also reinforcing that there's nothing wrong with wrong. her curiosity.
0: Yeah, very important. Um, excellent. More from Joanna to come. And as we say, if you have questions, 53106 is the text number or email afternoon at newstalk.com with more. You're episodes. very welcome. Back, i got about three minutes of uh, free parenting advice there Joanna <laughs> Albright. Thank you very much, Joanna. It's uh, Tom Dunn standing up Sean today. Um, Joanna Fortune is with us to answer all of your parenting questions. So, on to the next one for you now. And this is how can I stop my teenage son from getting overweight? Uh, I'm very worried about my 13 year old boy getting a bit overweight. He has anxiety issues or has had anxiety issues in the past. He loves eating, especially sweets, sugary drinks and non-healthy snacks. He also loves other foods, all kinds, things other children wouldn't touch. He's a very strong boy, but starting to get a bit of a belly and even volume on the chest. I keep asking him to stop eating unhealthy stuff and getting it, But it's getting harder to control what he does with his pocket money. We are not a sporty family. And this year with COVID, he is spending more and more time sitting on the computer and less outdoor activities. I can't. To point out the problem directly because you'll get obsessed, even if I ever suggest he should be careful with what he eats. He says he's thin like his brother. How can I encourage and point out the problem without? Talking straight over to you, John.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit confused by this one. So I can only imagine what it's like to try and work out. How do I say something without saying something? How do I change something without changing anything? How yeah. can I address a problem without acknowledging there's a problem? I mean, the answer is you can't. And I'm also just struck by, you know, your, the, the use of qualifiers here. He's a bit overweight. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? And he had anxiety issues. He loves eating and he loves eating, you know, the high calorie sugar foods but also a wide range of foods by the sound of it. But I'm wondering, are you somehow in your head linking him being overweight and loving food with his anxiety? And I just I'm curious about that. I'm, okay. I'm not sure it just seems like he had this and he loves this. And I'm, how do they link up? And the reason I'm, I'm flagging that confusion on my part is you have to be really clear when you say, look, how do I point out the problem without talking about it? What is the problem? And what is yes. it you're naming here? What is your concern? Be very clear in your own head what you're trying to communicate before you try to communicate it, because otherwise you're going to have a child going, what are you saying? Because you're saying in one hand, like he has, you have pointed out to him actually in some, can you please eat? healthy or stop eating unhealthy snacks. So actually you have pointed this out to him. He's also said he's thin like his brother. I don't know what elicited that statement, but he's also saying I'm fine. And the aim here, especially at his age, bodies change at this age, one way or the other food that you could eat You know, very freely, liberally, without any impact on your body can suddenly impact your body as you're going through this hormonal surge coming into adolescence. So there may be a period of fluctuation with his body that he has to then balance out. The key is, is he healthy and is he happy? Yeah. Because that's really what you want. The the whole point about, you know, that jumped out at me was... The food, the body stuff, that wasn't the big issue. That we're not a sporty family and he and over the COVID year anyway, all of that's been very difficult. But he's spending more and more time sitting on the computer, less outdoor activities. So when it comes to how can you point out the problem without pointing out the problem? If that's what you want to do, I would take action rather than a conversation and do that with him. Don't, you know, problematize him. You need to exercise. It's, do you know what? Why don't we set ourselves a new challenge as a family, a family goal? We are all going to walk 70,000 steps each week for five weeks in a row. Okay, and then you can extend it beyond that. And basically that breaks down to 10,000 steps a day. And but you set it as a family goal so that you all have to get out, get moving, do it together, ideally and use the time to chat and think and just, you know, be aware of your surroundings together. But I would be looking at what can you take action on rather than pointing out? Because I just I'm not clear what you want to point out and I'm not clear why you want to point it out. And I don't think this parent is either.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm a bit confused on on what you can can and can't say to a child when they're getting a little bit heavy yeah. if, if they're if you can see it in front of your eyes and you're worried that they're gaining weight because you may as a parent gloss over that but at some point you will bring them to a the doctor mm-hmm. and the doctor will just say BMI is a bit high
1: yeah, and the then the child BMI is conversation. Googling
0: BMI. And that's and, what you don't
1: want I mean yeah. BMI is not a useful measure of, of health you know at the best of times but I think what you want to do is try to remove any emotional charge around food and about the body that you know I do a lot of work with adolescents and increasingly what I've found over the, you know, the years um, is that when you say, how are you, somebody might, and it's not just adolescents you know, adults do this too. People might respond with, oh, I feel a bit fat or I feel a bit, you know, sluggish or I feel a bit something about the body. Right. And you're like, well, that's not a feeling. That's not a feeling. And we've equated that with a very negative set of feelings when actually bodies are different shapes and sizes. That's normal. OK, yeah. there isn't a particular ideal body type. It's why we have to put the focus on being healthy and living healthily. OK, whatever that means. And that will result in different mm. shaped and sized bodies. We're all supposed to have different shaped and sized bodies. So I would be keen to remove the charge around. He's, And also it's again, the bit of a belly. I don't know what that means. That's very subjective. What's a bit of a belly in my view would be yeah. quite different. to What's a bit of a belly in yours? So I would be attending to. What is his activity level? What is his interaction with peers? Is he spending time with you all as a family and not isolating in his room? Is he active and engaged? He has an interest in food. Fantastic. Is there a way of signing him up for a cookery course over the summer where he can learn more about food in a very healthy way or simply buy him a recipe book and together, again, set yourself a challenge that, well, every Thursday, you're going to be the one cooking for the family and you can pick something out of this cookery book, you know, that you make this something that is interesting that he can develop a deeper interest in himself. If his body was to cross a line and you're like, no, he's eating his feelings. This is about emotional eating. This is very unhealthy. Then yes, I would be going to the GP and looking for a referral to a suitably qualified
0: sure. dietitian. Okay, but keeping the emphasis on a healthy, are Absolutely. We healthy? Absolutely, happy key. and healthy. Right, yeah, the most important thing. Um, another one for you now, my son is distraught about school and I'd say a lot of people will be able mm-hmm. to identify with this. Um, my son is about to turn five and he starts big school in September. He attended a crash preschool since he was a baby and has two very close little friends there. He has his visit to the new big school this week or he had it and was very excited until he realised that his two best friends are in one room and he is in another. He is distraught and he left the school visit in tears as he does not understand why he cannot be with them while they can be together. I explained that the teachers decide which rooms the children go to and that there will be lots of others in his room, but he's inconsolable. He's normally a very happy child and I've never seen him so upset. I'm worried that his first impression of big school has been so negative that he will now find it harder to transition. He doesn't make friends easily. Have you any advice?
1: Uh, yeah, ah, uh, the poor little thing. Yeah you know it's, it's so much change, isn't it? That transition from preschool to big school is a massive one, and not just for children, but also for parents. And I find myself wondering, as, you know, this parent is saying he's distraught, he doesn't understand, he's inconsolable. I'm wondering how you feel, you know, how this parent is feeling. Not easy to see your little child go through those emotions. The instinct as a parent is of course to jump in, rescue them from the difficult feeling, phone the school, try to rearrange the class arrangement, try to fix this and of course I'm going to tell you not to do the thing that feels really natural to do. Avoid the fix or change agenda, acknowledge how he's feeling. You didn't expect that and that's really hard for you and this is a really big feeling and I wonder what we can do with this feeling and help him to come out of that himself with you. He's only five. He's not going to do it himself. But I think that we have to avoid minimizing. It's not a big deal. You'll make loads of new friends. We don't want to dismiss. Oh sure look at you won't even know those kids names by Christmas. You know you'll have forgotten. Nothing like that that we might do from a well-meaning place don't do that because it doesn't actually reassure kids. It just teaches them not to bring their big feelings to us. So acknowledge the big feeling and try to find ways to do it. One of the things that came to my mind was it, in Consola was a big word for me there and you've never seen him so upset that's that's an over and above type of reaction so I wonder could you talk to the school about um, a contact with a parent who is going to be in his class group and maybe arranging a play playtime over the summer where he can start to get to know another child who will be there. Because some children really do try to anchor themselves in. I can visualise what day one will be like and who I will sit beside. And not being able to visualise who will I know in the room can be very unsettling. Other kids are going to run in and forget to say goodbye to their parents and be like, look at all these new kids for me to discover. Absolutely. But this kid is not doing it that way. It's him not understanding. Yeah, I, I know you're saying upset. don't
0: be a, a fixer but would, would there be no sense in just ringing the school and saying why are there <laughs> two friends in one class? Do no, you
1: know what? I'm thinking as a parent I get the instinct to do that and if I was the school listening right now I'd be going oh please don't tell don't parents <laughs> to do that because imagine how many children They'd be on the phone fall all day. into that and you'd be playing kind of juggling kids here there and everywhere the reality is at their age and again I certainly don't want to dismiss his, little, his big feelings about this um, is that you know, children will adapt and make new friends. They will. I'm not saying it will be easy and for some children it will definitely be more challenging. I would be more keen to look at do you know anyone in your locality who will be in that class? Do a little bit of asking yes. around and arrange some playtime. Also arrange playtime with his two buddies who will be in the other class because just because they won't be in school, exactly. day, they will see each other. Yeah. I don't want to say they'll have yard time together because with the times we're living in, I'm not sure if okay. schools are going to mix classes. So don't tell him that you know sometimes they're putting classes out at different times to the yard to play so that there's not a lot of um, mixing but if he is going to be able to see them in the yard emphasize that but really suss that out first. I would look at who he can play with over the summer and show him that he's capable of meeting new people, making new friends. It doesn't even really have to be loads of kids from his new class once he's meeting new kids. Summer camps, back to swimming lessons, interacting with kids outside of my typical peer group is a really good experience that we have now the
0: opportunity for at this point in time. Great. Joanna, uh, thank you very much. Thank you. As as always, we could keep you here till five o'clock, I think, (laughs) uh, answering questions. So, um, in the meantime, as always, if you do have questions, send them by email for your best bet to uh, afternoon at newstalk.com. After the break, the evolution of sexual conflict. Moncrief on News
1: Talk, brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.